Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, who is Mary Lou MacDonald? A vote for Sinn Féin was for a different government. And yes, a government that would have the courage, the imagination, the energy to actually do things differently. A government that would put the citizen and families and communities front and centre, not big corporates, not the elites, not the well-networked. So, please welcome President-elect of our party, Mary Lou Macdonald. You know, May 2022 is of huge significance to Mary Lou Macdonald, the president of Sinn Féin and her party. Because for one, the party won the largest number of seats in the Northern Ireland Assembly for the first time, marking what it called a new era for Northern Ireland and making Sinn Féin the largest political party on the island of Ireland. This is not a time for theatrics. This is not a time for playing games. This is a time for grown-up, sensible partnership politics. But May was also the 20-year anniversary of Mary Lou Macdonald's first election run for Sinn Féin. Hello, I'm Mary Lou Macdonald. I'm an MEP for the City of Dublin and I'm Sinn Féin's candidate in the constituency of Dublin Central. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today I'm joined by Fionan Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent and Independent.ie to tell me more about the rise and rise of Sinn Féin's first female president. I'm no different, I suppose, to any other working parent when you're in a job that's extremely busy. You very often struggle just to even do the basic things. So it's not like... You know, outside of politics, I have a very ordinary, regular life. Like, I have two children, I run my home, I have my friends, and I try and get a weekly shopping in. How much are the prawns? Fionan, let's talk about Mary Lou's political ambition in in a bit. But when she started out, it wasn't with Sinn Féin, was it? No, her her. Political career starts uh, actually with with Fianna Fáil. That is the first party that that she is a, a member of. Um, there's there's little bits and pieces as everybody does in college, attending protests and stuff like that. Uh, she's involved with a group called the the Irish National Congress, which is kind of not Sinn Féin but of a Republican hue uh, during the 1990s. But in in the late 1990s. She joins uh, Fianna Fáil uh, in West Dublin, where she has has moved to. Uh, at that time, her her husband is originally uh, from the area. She joins uh, one of the branches that is in uh, Brian Lenehan's uh, and the Lenehan family's uh, heartland, 
she joins a you know fairly obscure you know regular local branch where they they talk about you know extensions on the Snugborough Road and, yeah. and public parks and potholes and so on and so forth. And not a million miles from Bertie, of course. Yeah, no, no, and and but she is is there uh, talking about uh, Orange Order parades up in in Northern Ireland, and she's interested in in policing issues and she's very definitely interested in 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 Northern Ireland and 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 the peace process and she's joined after the peace process so she is very much uh someone who has kind of been inspired by by Bertie Hearn era of Fianna Fáil what was achieved quite swiftly really when you consider Bertie Hearn gets in uh, as Taoiseach in June 97 and the good fight agreement uh, is secured in in April uh, of of ninety eight uh, because Tony Blair is in as well at at that time so, so things come come together uh, quite well but she would be on what was was termed the the, the greener wing of Fianna Fáil the more the more uh, heavily Republican uh, side she is of a Republican mindset but she's she's quite firmly in in the Fianna Fáil camp coming into ninety nine local elections are coming up. Uh, that year, and there is talk of her running uh, out in 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 Castleknock and and Blanchardstown, uh, chatter about about Brian Lenehan, and then there are there are theories about why she didn't run. Was 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 Lenehan somehow jealous of her and was worried about her becoming some sort of contender? Uh, other people in, on the Lenehan camp would would say no, she just she just didn't feel at home uh, within within Fianna Fáil. For whatever reason, she she drifts away from Fianna Fáil, and by the time of the the, the local elections in '99, uh, she has left, and she's kind of out in the in the political wilderness uh, for a while, not active uh, with anybody, uh, and then turn of the millennium. She starts popping up uh, with Sinn Féin. People within the Sinn Féin movement would have known uh, who Mary Lou MacDonald uh, certainly was. How did Mary Lou, someone from Ratgar, middle-class background, end up in Sinn Féin? Because she did. And I, I know it's... Because people say that to me from time to time as to how that happened. The only thing I can say is I didn't necessarily plan it that way but I suppose when I got politically involved when I became active I was looking for something real I was looking for somewhere where you could actually make a difference and Sinn Féin provided that space and I think sometimes for people on the outside looking into Sinn Féin they have a different view of the party than those of us who are inside it so there's kind of a stereo stereotypical thing isn't there around what a Shinner is like and so can we talk about Mary Lou, the, uh, the personal side of things? Because her profile at the time uh, was one of a background of living in the leafy suburb of Rathgar, going to a good school, being university educated. And it was a mantra repeated over and over by her political opponents as somehow she was so wrong to be in, in a party like Sinn Féin if she has this background, right? That that is often uh, shown shown at her, I, I suppose, uh, over the years that there are inherent contradictions uh, in in the stances that that she takes. Uh, you know, even even to this day, when when people look at her house uh, up near near Cabra, it's worth about a million quid, and that she is the you know portraying herself as the champion of the of the the working people. But yeah, you know, so Mary Ann Louise Macdonald, she's born uh, in. May Day, May the 1st, 1969 in, in, in Hollis Street. Uh, mother Joan and her father Patrick and he is, he's a builder. 
uh, and they live uh, in a, a house out on Orwell Road in, in Ratgar. This is, when we talk about leafy Dublin suburbs, this, this is it. People actually know the general area now a lot better because it's just around the corner from the Russian embassy, about 500 yards up the road uh, from where that is and people would have seen, seen protests. So they're familiar with the kind of uh, area uh, that, 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 that is. Uh, her parents actually, they, they separated in, in the late 1970s uh, and she and her, her siblings, her older brother Bernard and her, her the, the twins, Joanne and Patrick, they stay w- with, with their, their mother. But, you know, th- there's, there's still, you know, the, the, the well-heeled lifestyle, I suppose, is, is, is still uh, maintained in that regard. Obviously, th- there is the, the, the formidable trauma of your, your parents separating uh, when you are young. She attends uh, the, the, the fee-paying Catholic Notre Dame de Mission uh, school, uh, which is out in, in, in Churchtown. Uh, she goes on then to, to read English literature uh, at, at Trinity College Dublin. She does a postgraduate degree in European studies at the University uh, of, of Limerick. She's kind of going around working for different kind of coingos like the, the, the Institute for European Affairs. She's working for a, an offshoot of ICTU. Uh, so she's kind of in that kind of advocacy, academic space that's out there. It's not private sector, it's not public sector, it's kind of somewhere uh, in, the, in the middle. And then ultimately she goes on to become a, a PhD student in industrial relations at, at uh, Dublin City University. So she is, she is studying and showing a very definite interest in things like Europe, European affairs, uh, industrial relations, trade unions, representing uh, people in, in, in minority areas. But again, there's, there's not massive political activism you, you 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 would have to say up until the point where she actually formally uh, joins Fianna Fáil and the reason she joins Fianna Fáil in, in Dublin West she meets her her husband uh, Martin uh, inside in a pub during Italia 90 it's, you know, it's the most memorable period of many people's yeah. lives and she would have another reason uh, for that Peter's pub down off, off, off Grafton Street and they get married in May 96 uh, in the University Church on, on Stephen's Green they're, they're living uh, up near Arbor Hill they buy a house up there at the time and then they move to a, a larger house uh, out in West Dublin he's originally from the, the, the Strawberry Beds so they're they're living in a, a kind of a, a, a you know classic Celtic Tiger era new housing estate we can't identify anything that at any point you could describe Mary Lou MacDonald as working class she's she's very much middle class throughout her life and yet there she goes and joins Sinn Féin. And, and what was her progress like within the party? Was was it a, a very progressive rise to success or did it take a while? Again, we, we were talking about her, her Republican inclination. She's saying, she just says now about how the, the hunger strikes uh, in the 19, early 1980s affected her, her greatly and impacted uh, upon upon her. Yet she doesn't join Sinn Féin either, at, at, either when she uh, becomes a, a, a teenager or for, indeed for another 20, 20 years uh, or thereabouts. But actually, republicanism is, is actually in her, her family's uh, blood. Uh, her granduncle, James O'Connor, he was active in the IRA during the, the War of Independence uh, and the Civil War 100 years ago. My mother in particular uh, had a, a particular background in that her, an uncle of hers, uh, was shot in the Curra camp in December 1922. He was uh, one of seven men 
executed uh, on that day, one of 77 in total uh, executed by the state. Uh, and my grandmother, Molly, uh, although she never spoke a whole lot about that, that would have been a very, very defining piece for her in her very young life. She was only extremely young, I think four, uh, when, when he was shot. And he was actually executed, uh, aged only 24 in 1922 by the Free State Forces. There was a series of operations down in Kildare where he was based at the time he was involved in, in, in the Ratbride uh, column. Uh, and they were, they were active in, in the area in, in Kildare. They were caught uh, with, with, with weapons uh, and they were, they were, a number of them were, were subsequently executed. A couple of them were, were spared uh, on, on that occasion. He's originally from Bancha in County Tipperary and he writes to his mother uh, from the Curra camp on December 19th, 1922. And he says, I'm going to eternal glory tomorrow morning with six other true-hearted Irishmen. She's not, it's not completely at odds that she would join, uh, that she would fit in with Sinn Féin. The middle-class upbringing thing is, is very much the, the jarring thing when you're, when you're joining a party that is very much hard left. And at that point, in, in the early 2000s, Sinn Féin are, are still into nationalising the banks. Well, maybe if it happened at the time, things might have been avoided subsequently. <laughs> they're, they're into higher corporation tax, very much higher personal tax. So they're far more left-wing than they are now. They've, they've gradually come into to mainstream uh, economic thinking and they're, they're also basically coming off the back of, of the troubles when the IRA is still in existence and Sinn Féin is still the political wing uh, of the IRA and there are all those, those question marks about senior political figures in Sinn Féin also being on, on the IRA Army Council so there is an indisputable link between Sinn Féin and the IRA at the time when, when she is joining albeit uh, it is in a post-Good Friday Agreement uh, era. She joins Sinn Féin again out in Dublin West because because that's uh, where she is is based, and she rises up through the ranks really swiftly. I mean, she she goes on the the party's Ardcarla, their their national executive, quite quickly. Uh, she becomes their their area rep, and area rep is basically a, a, a candidate uh, as such that you will run where you don't have have a, a sitting TD uh, out in in Dublin West, and she becomes active in in local groups. You start seeing her pop up on the radar for Sinn Féin nationally around about 2001-2002. We've a spate of referenda at that point in time. She is the, the, the party's director as such uh, for the the 2002 uh, of, of, of the, the abortion referendum. There's also the Nice Treaty referendum. Again, she's interested in, in uh, European affairs. So she's developing a profile for herself at that, that point in time. So come the 2002 general election, Jerry Adams is is and Martin McGuinness are present south of the border uh, quite a bit because they're trying to promote the party and that was a big breakthrough for them. Sinn Féin, it is taught going into that election, is is could win anything up to eight to ten seats. And people are identifying their targets of people who are now familiar names, Angus O'Snuddy, Martin Ferris, uh, Sean Crow. You know who who won seats and have 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 held held seats subsequently because Quivin O'Callaghan at the time is their only TD out uh, in 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 the Republic at, at that time. Mary Lou isn't really on the list, effectively. 
of people who people reckon are, are going to win. There's a lot of big beasts uh, out in, in West Dublin at that time. Particularly on the left wing side, you've got you've got Joe Higgins of the Socialist Party, uh, very much a, a champion of the, the service charges campaign. Joan Burton of, of the Labour Party who's kind of the, the middle ground on, on the centre. And then Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are obviously traditionally strong out there. So it's not really seen that Mary Lou is going to get across the line. Dublin West, coincidentally, is one of the uh, electronic voting experiment constituencies that was that was used on that occasion. So Mary Lou does does pretty well for a first time candidate, but she's not really in in the race for a seat. And she finds out in, in uh, around about midnight that night of the election that she hasn't uh, she she hasn't won on that occasion. But you know, generally happy with her performance, and it's viewed as well. Look. That's that's somebody that they're going to build for the future. I recall interviewing her at the time in the run up to the to that general election and talking to people in Sinn Fein at the time. They they were very much enthusiastic about this young woman uh, who was running for them uh, out uh, in in West Dublin, and she was very different to a lot of their their candidates. Their candidates tended to be kind of guys who had been involved been involved in what they would call the struggle, i.e., they were they were in the IRA. Guys like guys like Martin Ferris, or they tended to be kind of community activists in working class areas. She was neither of them. She was uh, articulate, polished, well educated young woman. So she she very much uh, stood out at that time. You know, one wonders what would have happened had she stayed with with Fianna Fáil uh, ultimately, and and she would equally uh, have risen up to the ranks uh, there as as well. One 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 would have to have to say, and you can see the roles that that she takes on with with Sinn Fein in, in terms of you know she she's speaking on on women's issues. Uh, she's very comfortable speaking at 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 rallies uh, and 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 protests she is 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 chairing uh, campaign meetings that that they're having she becomes uh, their equality spokesman after that 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 first run in a general election she plays a part in the national forum of europe again she she talks um in the second nice referendum she's again becoming a more prominent figure within the party and all the time when jerry adams comes south of the border the person who is sitting beside him, it seems constantly, uh, is Mary Lou MacDonald, the, the designated smiler as such, the person who had to sit beside Jerry Adams and 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 smile and, and and look happy. And there was always somebody who had to have uh, that role. So it 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 is it is strange in that she is somebody who has joined Sinn Féin only in in the previous uh, couple of years, and yet she is being um, being rolled out. That prominently, she is what what people would call a, a truceteer, which the Harjaws uh, within the Republican movement would would refer to as people who came along in in the peace process, uh, Good Friday Agreement era, who weren't really there during the the harder days uh, of the cause. You referenced earlier the anti-partition republicanism that's in her blood. Um, so there is there is that sense of of being part of something that she really believes in. Um, but there has been some controversial moments arising out of that, um, Fiona. And I'm thinking about um, the time she uh, carried the coffin of Joe Cahill, for example. Yeah, so Joe Cahill, veteran uh, IRA man, and Mary Lou MacDonald would have in her, her early days uh, appeared uh, along alongside him 
at, at Sinn Féin uh, events. And he was very much the representative of the, 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 the Sinn Féin IRA old guard. He was seen as somebody uh, very important within what what is often called the Republican movement. And when people talk about the Republican movement, they mean Sinn Féin and the IRA. Uh, so when, when he passed away in 2004, uh, she was one of the people who was carrying the coffin. Now, you know, it's not... Republican funerals tended to be the coffin got passed from different people carried it as on the route along. It's not like a family funeral where you'd only have the six closest family members carrying a coffin across the line. So she was criticised for that at that time because that was seen to be uh, cond- condoning uh, the the activities uh, of, of the IRA and she was, was seen to be kind of a, uh, you know, Condoning what what had happened during the course of the troubles, would you would you support their campaign? See the campaign of violence. I, I support and recognise the 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 right to meet force with force. There's other controversies as well. I mean, there's her speaking at a memorial for Sean Russell. Uh, there's a there's a statue to him still, I believe, in in Fairview Park uh, in Dublin. Prominent Republican figure from the 19 from the 1930s, but he's also viewed as a Nazi collaborator uh, due to his his contacts uh, with the Nazi regime uh, at that that point in time. So he's a very controversial figure, and anybody who who is who is seen to be associated with any memorials attached to him because of his Republican uh, views, it's also pointed out to him, well, hang on, this guy also had had another uh, record. So she does, um, there was, you know, a comment from Sinn Féin activists at the time, you know, she, she seemed to be never without a coffin on her shoulder at some IRA man's funeral. So there was a suggestion that Mary Lou was effectively having to prove herself uh, to the within the Republican movement, politics alone, and and making nice speeches at at uh, you know, events about European and social affairs weren't going to be enough. She was going to have to show that she was fully on board uh, with with the activities of the provisional IRA during the troubles. Now let's. Um Concentrate on 2022, Fionn. And, you know, you cannot deny the power uh, behind Sinn Féin. And, and many people will dismiss it as pure populism. Um, but Mary Lou is, is a, an essential ingredient to this popularity. To give the Sinn Féin leadership some credit, they do spot her talent as soon as she's, she's joined. She, she is very much fast-tracked. Uh, through the organisation going on to become their their European election candidate, their first MEP. That's really the big political breakthrough where they can see that this woman can bring us votes that other people from the traditional uh, background uh, cannot. And then ultimately, after uh, after a, another bad election in 2007, she ultimately becomes uh, their, uh, their TD and they're effectively their doll leader from 2011 onwards. Jerry Adams, by that point, has moved uh, his political affiliation to to south of the border at a, at a very much a generational shift from the older days of Jerry Adams being associated with with the IRA to the, this new face uh, of of modern Sinn Fein. And she has a faltering start, though. Let, let's remember uh, twenty nineteen local and European elections. They they lose uh, two of their their European seats. They have a really bad uh, local elections right across 
across the country. That's her first uh, her first proper campaign in charge. They then have a bad uh, British general election in, in 2019. So you're heading into the last general election in 2020 and we we're all looking at it going, Sinn Féin are going to lose seats here. And Sinn Féin themselves were pretty much of, of the same mindset. They were by no means prepared for what was what was coming their way. They were dropping candidates a week into the, the general election uh, campaign in on the view that they were on the defensive and that they needed to just consolidate around individual candidates. And ultimately that swing comes their way uh, about a week into the campaign where for, for, for whatever reason, I mean, the, the main reason uh, being that people looked at, at the outlook and said, well, we're going to get Fianna Fáil instead of Fianna Gael after having Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil effectively in government together for the last couple of years. Not happy with that. Housing becomes a more, a more prominent issue in people's mindsets. And the, the, this Mary Lou MacDonald wave just absolutely takes off. And Sinn Féin uh, ultimately become effectively the, the, the largest party, the best supported party uh, in the state. So we're looking at them now saying, will Mary Lou MacDonald become our first female Taoiseach and our first Taoiseach uh, who is not from the Civil War parties of Fianna Fáil uh, and Fine Gael? So the hand of history, to, to paraphrase Tony Blair, is potentially on her shoulder uh, in that regard. Their, their next campaign for the local and European elections, most likely they will come back as, as the biggest party, both in terms of European parliament representation and at local government level. And that will have its own uh, impact. So there are still a lot of questions that hang over uh, Sinn Féin and and Mary Lou MacDonald and how, how they would fare if they if they ultimately got into office. But at the moment, you're looking at her being very much the leader of the biggest party after the next general election. My thanks there to Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent and independent.ie. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan and Garrett Mulhall, recording and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie, the Belfast Telegraph, Sky News, TV3 News Archives, Guardian, Sinn Féin's YouTube channel. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.